podcast designed to provide young aspiring musicians with perspectives from others in the music field so they can navigate how to move into a musical career. Like always, I am Tyler Mead, the host of Music Educated, and I created this podcast as a way of exploring ideas and perspectives from peers, mentors, and other professionals in the music field. Today is such an interesting episode because it highlights the young musicians I talk about every week. Featured in this episode are three of my former students, Peyton, a sophomore music composition major, Stephen, a sophomore music education major, and Jamie, a freshman music education major, who all have unique perspectives on the challenges throughout their early studies and early experiences in the music field. So please enjoy episode four of Music Educated. So welcome, uh, everyone, to Music Educated Podcast. Uh, it's going to be fun to kind of reconnect with you all and kind of kind of see your perspectives on this music field as you, you kind of get into building a musical career. This whole podcast is kind of directed towards you. And so I just wanted to kind of get your perspectives on kind of your journey so far. So uh, I just want to kind of start with why do you all want to go into the music field? And let's start with Peyton. Hello, my name is Peyton. Um, so I'm studying, I'm in my second year of studying music composition as a piano major and an organ minor. Um, so it, why, I've, why I want to go into the music field has, has changed over time, but the original reason still is, is there but there, there are also like new reasons. Um, originally, you know, in high school or well, well, even back before middle school, I had always been involved in choir and, and music and stuff like that. And then in high school, I got more heavily involved in it. Uh, you know, auditioning for our schools like chamber chorus and getting in and um, eventually towards, you know, junior, senior year, I was like, yeah, I really think I want to major in music composition. Um, and that was after I heard like Beethoven's Ninth Symphony for the first time, and the fourth movement was like the the structure and form. I was like, whoa, that is something I, I want to do stuff like that. So you know, originally it was a very very much like a passion type of of reason. You know, I was very passionate about it. I'm like, this is like it was like the stereotypical like it's the calling. It's like you have to do it. You can't do anything else. Um, but as I've gotten into it, you know, and, and this happens with so many other skills, uh, it's kind of like the beginner is very passionate, but also clueless. Um, as I've kind of gotten more adept at it and, and continue to study it, I'm still passionate about it, but, but now there's also kind of like, um, an intellectual pursuit I find with, with yeah. studying music. It's not just like, yes, I love it and I want to do it. It's definitely that, but it's also, you know, like, how, oh, how does this stuff work? Or, you know, it, it's like curiosity, I suppose. So that's why I'm studying music right now. Yeah, let's go to Steven. Hi, I'm Steven. I'm a sophomore music ed major, um, and I am, my primary instrument is voice. Um, the reason why I wanted to go into the music field is um, because um, it built up from when I went into middle school and I picked up the saxophone. I did band all three years in middle school. 
and then I converted to chorus in freshman year of high school and then two years later we changed teachers um, who is the current teacher now um, Mr. Jonathan Kramer um, and he helped me a lot through my junior and senior year of high school to figure out what I really wanted to do in my um, in my college career and my life in general um, and that was to teach music I think that a lot of music teachers have helped me throughout my whole life and like have guided me to where I am today and I kind of wanted to reflect on that and I wanted to portray that as I become a future teacher and a future educator and bring that like bring that inspiration and joy into my students future students and yeah that's awesome um i i think that that's something all all teachers kind of want to do is to kind of have that impact on on their students and have that impact so they have this positive um like experience they can build on to their musical career so that's really awesome uh let's go to jamie now Hi, my name is Jamie. Um, I am a freshman, first year music ed major. Um, my primary instrument is violin. My secondary is trumpet. Um, I've been playing for about 12 years. Um, I started out um, in third grade at Mary C. House, and then I built up into Pierce Middle School and then eventually Henderson High School. Um, my main mentor was really um, Katrina Kelly. She was like my second mom to me. She showed me that music can bring joy to someone's world. And I think that the world needs more music and it can impact someone's life greatly. And um, also with Mr. Jack Hans and Jonathan Kramer, I think they've showed not only me, but other people that um, the arts can make a big impact on you and it can help you get through difficult times. And um, I wanna, I, I chose to go into music education because I don't think the arts gets enough recognition of how much it can help someone. Um, and I want, and I've, um, all three mentors at Henderson um, have shown me that I could be part of that change um, on how to impact a student as much as, as they've impacted me. Yeah, that, that's definitely uh, the purpose of music education in my field, in, in my opinion and kind of is something that we should all reflect on. So what is something that has kind of scared you about going uh, to music school? Let's start with Jamie, who's now a freshman at Penn State. So what I was most fearful about going into music was um, obviously not being good enough. I know that a lot, it takes a lot of practice and a lot of commitment to become the best that you can be. And there's obviously gonna be flaws on your way and there's gonna be a lot of critiques and a lot of teachers who will tell you, you're not doing this right, you're not doing that right. But I think just not feeling that you're at your best all the time is one big fear for me. Yeah, and let's kind of make this uh, part more of a conversation between all of us because that is definitely a um, big fear I'm sure all of us have is just not being good enough and not being on the top of our great game. So Peyton or Steven, do you want to kind of comment on that or share uh, perspectives? 
Yeah, sure. I, that, that was exactly, if, if you were going to start with me, that's exactly what I was going to say. Um, it, it was the biggest fear I had going into music school. And even throughout my first year, I still had that fear. And I like practiced like a mad dog. So I, you know, could, cause I wasn't like at the top yet. I'd like, it was like first year I'm like, I'm not the, the best ever in this school. So I need to like practice like a mad dog. And it was, it was, it was very unsustainable and also unhealthy. Um, you know, cause I'm, I, I learned over the course of the year, it's like, you know, there's always going to be someone better than you. And uh, rather than seeking to, to, you know, put yourself up, it's, it's more about uh, being the best version of yourself that you can. Sorry, rather than uh, uh, being at the very top, right? Because uh, we all have to have our limits. Um, but yeah, I just found that, that that way of thinking was like super unhealthy. And if anything, it's, it's, it's really funny. There, there's so many times I find that uh, working harder will actually hurt you, you know, um, in running if you're at the end of a race and you start, you know, you want to like tense up and start running, but you actually need to relax and save your energy. It's, it's the same thing in, in music. It's like, if you work too hard and you overwork yourself, you know, you'll just start learning bad habits with your technique or, or whatever. So yeah, that, that's what I found over the course of last year. It's, it's not very healthy to think like that. And you have to make sure you're, whatever you're doing is, is sustainable. Yeah. And I think one thing to kind of think about is yeah, you shouldn't be working harder. Um, you should work hard, but you shouldn't be working harder than you need to. What you need to kind of kind of work through is starting to prepare more and prepare how you're structuring things. Because um, the preparation that goes into it, um, the stretching, the the breathing. That's what's really going to make what we do as musicians worth it because we don't need the extra kind of stress of having to put more work into it um, physically when we already have enough mental challenges as it is. So Stephen, do you want to kind of talk about something that scared you about going into music or react to kind of this uh, topic that we're talking about now? Yeah, um, I definitely agree with Jamie 100%. I definitely think that like uh, failure and fear like come together as a musician. Um, but also like during my like the start of my freshman year in the fall, I think I definitely underestimated um, how scary it was going to be. Um, and it really hit me when I had one lesson this one time um, where I wasn't on my I wasn't on my A game. I wasn't really prepared. And my teacher just kicked me out of my lesson. <laughs> and I, um, I went into the practice room. I was frustrated. I was just so annoyed. And then I realized, you know what? I have to work harder. I have to, I have to do all this. And I was just all on my head with that. But really, like, like as it went along, I just had to really just think about what I was doing and not like, late like just say oh i got this i i i know what i'm doing 100 when really i'm not i'm in a new field i'm in a new level i have to just up my game but not too much where i'm like completely stressed out and um i think that that mentality helped me through my spring semester and it helped me coming into my fall semester 100 i've had similar instances where in high school, I went to one of my, my lessons, and I sucked. 
So I slam my head against the ballboard of the piano and looked at my teacher and we both were like, well, this was a rough 15 minutes. How about we try again next week? <laughs> so 15 minutes into an hour lesson, it was like, yeah, you're right. I'm, I'm going to go. So I, I definitely understand that feeling. Um, I think something that we really need to, to focus on is progress over perfection. Um, we can't have this mindset of everything needs to be perfect because it's just going to drive us insane. So if we just think about the only wrong thing to do is not make progress, then that's going to help us kind of set goals and, and reorganize how we do things in this field so we can be more successful. Not perfect, but more successful. So if I could uh, interject, one, one thing I found with, you know, you're talking about having a progress mindset over a perfection mindset. One thing I found that helps helps me kind of get into that is listening to jazz musicians uh, play classical music. Cause um, the, there's this one jazz pianist named Chick Korea that I love listening to, you know, his, his music's great, but he, he does these live streams on, on Instagram where he'll like, you know, play a Chopin nocturne or, or he'll, he'll just, you know, do whatever. And it's great because um, he, you know, he'll, you'll see he, he makes like a little mistake and he just doesn't care. He's like, it's whatever I got, you know, I got the idea th across. That's, and that's what's important. Not that one little note that I missed. So, and, and watching like someone who's so professional, someone who's like at the top, uh, you know, really in the world of, of being that not care about missing notes uh, kind of like tells you it's like, Oh, it's okay. It's like, if, if it's not about perfection for them, it sh certainly shouldn't be like that for me. Absolutely. And it's not about this perfect sound that we need to accomplish. It's about making music, which is one of the best things in the world to do. Um, so we really need to focus on having that fun and putting things into perspective that we're creating music. We're not creating robots that just play a bunch of notes and for, for, for what? So, yeah, I think that's a really, really awesome point, Peyton. Um, now I kind of want to go into kind of what the process was like for you all to go into this audition process and what did you look for when you were looking for uh, a music school that you wanted to go to? Let's start with Steven. So for um, when I was picking music schools or just schools in general, I only applied to three schools and those three schools that I thought had the best potential for me and had the best opportunities in the music ed field, not necessarily just the music, uh, the music um, program in general, but like specifically music ed. And the other two schools, they had great music programs, but they didn't have as strong music ed programs. And then I turned to Westchester University, and they have a consistent history of great teachers, great educators that come out of school, and they also have a great master's program for those who want to um, go further ahead. And I thought that 
it would be the best choice for me. And so I went with it and I don't regret it at all. So I, I think those are really definite points uh, that we should look for uh, when we're looking to apply for schools is kind of what the history and uh, says about the teachers coming out and the program um, and how it's kind of set up. So that that's awesome. I know, Peyton, you uh, kind of have a different experience because you're in composition. How did that factor into what you were looking for when you're looking for a program? Uh, it, it most, like I know how Stephen was talking about, oh, uh, Westchester has a great music ed program. Uh, and it, it will constantly, you know, I, I wasn't so much thinking about program. I was looking more at faculty because, um, you know, that I'm working one-on-one with uh, the composition and and that's you know so much of your education as a composition major is just one-on-one with your your professor and you just kind of bounce ideas off each other um i know that when i was looking it also wasn't just looking at faculty and that that wasn't just you know another reason was i wanted to be in state and you know preferably a school that wasn't super expensive and westchester you know fit the bill of something that was affordable so, um, but yeah, what I was most, again, I was mostly looking for uh, faculty. And I, I, I would, I would say anyone who even, you know, if you're a music ed major performance, especially performance. Yeah. Um, when you look at faculty, it's not just about their previous accomplishments, but also what they're doing right now. I found, I find, I find that, um, you know, almost all the professors, uh, the composition professors that I, that I work with for the most part, most of them are still active and doing stuff like uh you know they're releasing albums or or getting recordings of compositions doing stuff like that and i find that that they all they offer so much more because if they give you advice it's current advice as opposed to someone who's just been teaching for you know 20 years they can give you advice on composition all that but um it's going to be like 20 year old advice because they haven't you know been in 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 the regarding um you know uh, in the field type stuff. So. Yeah. I I think that's a really important point when you're looking for, um, that kind of faculty expert, um, that you kind of want to study with is making sure that they're current in the field and not just have been tenured in academia for 30 years without, really understanding how this field has kind of progressed. And I think that's a huge point in music education because you really want someone that teaching you how to teach that has been teaching for a long time because they are the ones that have the expert kind of knowledge and experience that will will get you to where you want to be. So I think that's an awesome point, Peyton, to kind of just look for kind of someone that's current and up to date with um, the field. Uh, Jamie, do you want to talk about what you were looking for um, going into the audition process? I think what I was looking for mostly throughout the audition process was, again, I agree with Peyton about the faculty. My whole mindset, honestly, was yes about the program, but I was more about having trial lessons with each, with, with each violin professor. Um, 
the question I kept, um, I kept reiterating in my mind was who can I see myself working with one-on-one? Um, and I know that there's, there's like conductors and there's different faculty members, but the one professor that I will be spending my most time with is my violin professor. And that's the one question I kept asking myself. Um, so the audition process, I think you just need to stay on top of your game. I don't, I'm not one, I don't think Steven or Peyton is like this, but I'm one who needs to focus on a couple of things over time. And I didn't cram anything in for my auditions because I don't think that is the way to go at all. Um, so I think really looking at the faculty and just thinking about where can I see myself um, working and reaching my goals as, as efficiently as possible. Yeah, I, I think that's something all students who are looking to go into a music school should do is connect with faculty before the audition, have sample lessons. If you contact just about anyone, they'll be open to giving like a sample lesson to a per, uh, prospective student just for the sake of you getting to know what their teaching style is, if you're going to work well with them, and also for them to see how you kind of learn. Are you adaptable? And that's kind of something that if you go to those schools that you had sample lessons with, the teachers are going to remember um, you. And if you make a good impression on them in that sample lesson, that really goes a long way um, to how they structure what you do in your time there. So I think that's a really great point to make. Um, as we kind of talk about this audition process. I kind of want to stay on this audition process kind of talk and get your insight on what you wish you knew about the audition process or the day-to-day struggles of the first year of music school. I want to start with one of the second years, Peyton or Steven. Uh, Talk about what your first year was like. Um, My first year was um so this is coming from a music composition uh a major perspective uh it wasn't too hard um you know i took ap theory in high school and i found that that prepared me all the way up to theory three so as well as aurals two or three so my first year wasn't very hard you know because a lot of i was taking the music theory and aurals classes and they were all review but just learning them from a new perspective i suppose um, there was, there was a lot of free time last year that I don't really have now. Uh, now I have other responsibilities as, you know, not, not only just more homework and, and trying to balance, um, a lot of things in life, but also responsibilities like, a you know, being elected president of a club and, you know, just getting involved, you know, I now have more responsibilities and I have to give my time to other people. So I feel like I didn't, you know, I had all this free time last year and because I had so much of it, I didn't uh, fully take advantage of it as I probably could have. So I guess my advice would be um, if you have that free time, make the best use of it, you know, uh, even if that's like just relaxing a little bit and not not doing something too too intense or just, you know, whatever you deem, you know, it would be the best use of that time. Just, just make sure you're, you're using it rather than letting it go. Steven, do you want to share your perspectives on the first year or what you wish you knew about the audition process going into it? 
Well, I think to start with the audition process, I think I was pretty well um, well explained with the audition process. I had a very good pianist who helped me out. Uh, <laughs> I'm going to take credit for that one right there. Yeah, we, we definitely talked about what kind to expect. And I know that that definitely helped. Um, anyway, go on. <laughs> uh, I think like definitely you helped me a lot like telling me like hey this is what's going down this is what's going to happen with the audition process so I really wasn't necessarily nervous I think the one thing with the audition process I think it was a little nerve-wracking just being in one room like just four people on a computer screen just giving you notes and whatever I think that was a little like oh gosh this is really happening um, but other than that, I think the audition process was actually not like too horrible. It was the only school that I auditioned for because I knew right away that that was the school I wanted. Um, now going along with the first year of music school, I definitely 100% agree with Peyton on free time. I had a lot of free time my first uh, semester and even my second semester. And then even more when um, the virus hit and all that, and when I was just at home, just doing my classes as going along normally, semi-normally. <laughs> but um, now I come into the fall and it's still like same thing. Like I'm still at home doing my thing, going to some in-person interactions here and there, but I just, I haven't found a lot of free time. I'm basically doing schoolwork almost every night and during the weekends when I should have the most free time I'm working to earn more money so I don't eventually go into debt everyone's fear <laughs> but um I and then like going along with the struggles again I think that I did more um as we talked about in the previous questions I steered more towards perfection over progress and now having a full year of knowledge into what's happening with music school and what I have to do, I definitely want to work. I definitely work more into progress over perfection, um, which is what you, everyone should do. And I definitely was a lot more, I definitely was more scared, like going into music school and just changing the environment and all that and like worrying about failure and not being the best at what I am. Um, but overall, I think that my first year went pretty successfully, and I think it led into um, what is to come for a successful second, third, and fourth, maybe even fifth, if I have to stay any longer. But um, yeah, I, I think overall, that was my first year experience. Yeah, and second year, sophomore year, guys, uh, it's it gets challenging. Second year is usually the time where it, it's kind of the, the turning point, whether you decide to continue or decide that, well, maybe this wasn't for me. I think both of you right now as second years are in great positions because you've kind of developed that mindset and you have those to, to help you kind of grow in that. But second year is definitely a challenge for a lot, a lot of uh, music uh, majors in college. So now I just want to go to Jamie. You're two, three weeks into 
your first year of undergrad. Can you kind of just, and I know it's different because this whole pandemic uh, is happening still. Uh, can you kind of just give your perspectives on what you've experienced so far? So what I've, what I've experienced so far is if you start to struggle, don't hesitate to ask for help because you will get behind. I have learned that in previous years the hard way and it's not fun. So I think, especially as a music education major, it's not easy. And many of my teachers from Henderson have told me that, you know, you have to stay on top of your A game and you might, you know, you might fall, you might, you might need to need someone help to help you get back up, but you need to stay ahead of the game. And it sounds, it's, it's harder than it sounds, but that I'm, I'm trying to personally for me, I'm trying to stay as organized as possible because <laughs> professors don't accept stuff late. And it's hard. I'm not going to say it's not hard. Um, so I think you need to lay out your schedule, keep an organized mindset, um, and just stay on top of your game because I think that's the best way to do it. At least that's, that's how it's been working for me. So I, and I've also been, I've been having my friends help me who are good with theory. I've been asking my professors. So biggest thing, don't hesitate to reach for help. Yeah, that's just going to be a big thing throughout your time as a musician, just in the music field in general, not even just in in college. It's all about collaboration and getting new ideas. And that's really why I'm starting this podcast is kind of to show these new ideas and to show these new perspectives. So young musicians have the opportunity to use these insights and perspectives as ways to kind of navigate the day-to-day struggles that the music field kind of kind of gives how much have um you guys thought about what you want to do and focus on with your musical career not if you have it set but how much have you thought about it so i so I want to teach. I definitely can see myself teaching. Um, I think I don't think I wanted to switch to performance when I before I came to college. I definitely thought I wanted to double major in performance and ed, but performance is hard and it's not it's not an easy road. Um, I don't know if I don't know if Peyton's in that, but I know Stevens in music ed. But um, I think I definitely wanted to stay in the education field because I think. I think we need, we need more music teachers in the world. So, yeah. And this is another strong reason why I've created this podcast is I am a performance major. I did music ed and performance, piano performance in undergrad. Now I'm piano performance as a master's student. Um, I want to teach in college, um, but I've kind of started to restructure my thinking because a deep part of me of who I am is an educator is a teacher and I that's part of my passion so that's why I kind of just want to hear all these different perspectives on how careers have moved from one thing to another and how careers can be so fluid in that sense um so Stephen can you talk about um 
how much you've thought about your musical career. I know you're pretty set on uh, music education as well. So can you kind of just talk about that? Sure. Um, I think definitely um, my overall goal towards the end of my college career, and maybe if I do end up getting my master's, um, I definitely would most likely teach choir. I think going through, even into my second year, I think I have lingered towards going to the other musics, probably doing band or orchestra. Because um, all three, the tri, the tri musics, all three of them, they're very interesting to do and like they're really fun. Um, but I think mainly I would want to teach choir um, and primarily high school so I could do what I wanted to do when I came into music school, which is teach those sorts of students who are trying to find themselves. And I think that's one thing that's important to me, that I want to guide those students and see, like guide those musician students, see if they want to take it the step further and be their inspiration, be their guiding light. And um, that's like, probably like my whole mindset going into my second year I'm like okay I'm a year into this this and the future years I want to focus more of myself as an educator and what I have to what I have to do to become the teachers that inspired me yeah um Peyton do you want to give a perspective on what you're kind of thinking career-wise since you are in a little different boat with uh the composition field yeah um yeah, I'm, an, I'm a very, I'm a very odd boat because, um, you know, I originally it was like, oh, I just want to do the composition. But as I've gone through music school, I've discovered other musical passions. And that's one thing I would encourage everyone to do when they go to music school is, you know, if you're a trumpet player and you've always been interested in the cello, you know, it's like, hell, just take a semester of minor lessons in the cello. Just, you know, do it. And, and if you like it, you know, and you think you can fit it into your schedule and, and continue to do it, do it. I mean, there's nothing stopping you if you can, you know, graduate on time with that. Um, so as I've kind of discovered these other musical interests and also as the, uh, the college bill started to come, I thought a lot about my career and what I would be doing. Um, and I pretty much at this point think about it uh, every single day, like what my future career will look like, because I don't know. Um, so, you know, me personally, I went through music school and originally it was just like, oh, the, you know, the composition is what I really like, but now I've, you know, really discovered like, oh, I really like the, the piano aspect of it, or sorry, you know, performance aspect of playing piano, uh, as well as the organ. I really like that. And I'm taking minor lessons in that. So, you know, kind of my, uh, you know, career, which is, this is, I was talking to my advisor about this and, and he said that this is a very, uh, very stereotypical kind of composer career where it's very, you know, multifaceted where you have multiple like income streams uh, from all these different directions. And uh, it, it'll be like, you know, freelance composition is obviously kind of like the main thing you want to be doing, but obviously that's going to fluctuate up and down. So behind that you'll have, um, or, or I will have what, what I want to be doing is like working with my local church as organist or music director or whatever doing something like that um and and also i see this kind of a way to give back to my community and kind of just do something for people other than myself 
Um, and then, you know, beyond that would be you know, any type of piano or organ lessons that I do privately. So there's just three things. And I'm sure that, you know, as I go through college, it'll, it'll diversify and I'll find other interests and, you know, other things that I could maybe monetize in, in my career. Um, and, and also re regarding, uh, Jamie was like, you, you were asking, you weren't sure if I was in the performance thing. It's actually a, a funny story. Um, I'm not a performance major, but it doesn't mean that I'm not practicing like one. And I would strongly encourage all the people who are not performance majors. That doesn't mean you shouldn't be practicing like one. Cause I, I just hate to see it when, you know, uh, a education major or, or non-performance major just doesn't take practicing their, their primary instrument seriously at all. And they just don't do it. I think it's such a, you know, it's like, no matter what you do, you, you really want to play an instrument and you want to be able to play it well, not even if you're, you know, going to be performing, but just to experience music, you know? Yes. Yeah. How, how can a music educator teach how to practice and teach how to be a successful musician if they're not willing to put in the work and become a successful musician themselves? That's a huge exactly. thing, huge thing. Every music educator needs to have the experience of performing, um, maybe not solo, but performing and having that level of excellence and not selling themselves short because they're just, go, just going into music education. Like it's not just music education. It's not just teaching choir. So really awesome, awesome point. Mm -hmm. I kind of want to just start wrapping up and kind of open it up to questions that you might still have um, about opportunities that you, you might encounter or about struggles in creating um, a musical career. So um, Stephen, let's start with you. What questions do you have? I think um, I really can't think of a lot of questions. So I only have really one. There's the Mesa. There is that whole test of like, here's what you have to do um, in order to get approved to be a teacher. What advice would you have to like prepare for the, for that kind of a test of like your teaching skills and your musician skills and just in general? Yeah. I'm sure things are constantly changing in terms of what tests need to be um, passed and all these different standardized testing kind of protocols and whatever. But one of the biggest things is one, you have to trust that you can do the subject and talk about the subject and answer questions about the subject that you're testing on. But I think it's also something where you need to go out and actively prepare for it by taking, there are always uh, examples online or practice tests online, spend the 20 extra dollars, take the practice test. So you actually know what to kind of expect through that. Um, it's all, it goes all back to preparation. You have to be willing to go the extra step so that you're prepared for that. And you kind of, once you're in that moment, just take a deep breath and just rely on what you know that you know. So. Um, Peyton, let's go to you. Yeah, we were talking about um, being adaptable uh, uh, earlier. 
I was wondering if, you know, and, and th- this question came up, came up then, and I've been thinking about it. Uh, I was wondering if you could, you know, maybe talk about any examples of times where you found that, you know, uh, being adaptable really, really helped you or, or, or saved your butt or, or whatever, whether it be in your master's program or in your career or even your, your undergrad, you know. I'll go right to the first day of my student teaching at Henderson High School. Um, Jamie and Stephen will attest to this. Maybe they don't remember it much. But my first day, um, John Kramer was like, well, um, you're going to teach piano class on the first day, in theory. And by the first week, I had almost a full load already. So it's kind of just without preparation. Student teachers don't usually do that. It usually takes a little bit to get into some sort of a full load. But just being able to go into it, relying on your instincts, relying on uh, the knowledge that you have, and being adaptable and being willing to have these new experiences and just try things out. If you fail, you fail. It's not that big of a deal, but it's just going um, that extra kind of part and just jumping into it. And I think that shows reflects the best on you as an individual and you as a musician trying to create a um, career in the field because uh, John Kramer and I have a great relationship now because we, he saw that I was adaptable and willing to just be thrown into the fire. And that's really a big thing on um, being marketable in this field. So um, let's go to Jamie. As a first year, what kind of questions uh, are you having about this process of creating a musical career? Um, I think since we're going back to student teaching, I, w- I, I kind of, I mean, I, I want someone to tell me what it's like student teaching. I know that that sounds stupid, but like I want to, I, I want to know ahead of the game what it's like to be up in front of students and succeed. And like you said, Mr. Kramer was not, he just threw you in there kind of, which is what he's best at. But I mean, I, I, I want someone to fully prepare me for student teaching because I, I, that's actually something I think of more than teaching because that's your first step as being an educator. You have to get up in front of students and you have to know what you're doing. As you said, you might fail, but I want someone to get, you know, as along my pathway here, um, the next three years, I want, I want good preparation for student teaching because that's your first step into becoming an educator. So that's more of a comment, not a question, but yeah, no, well, you're never really prepared to student teach. And I think that's kind of just something that you have to accept. One thing for me, I was not focused on the teaching aspect of student teaching, but it's just like education is all about the students. So if you can connect with the students, and I feel like I had a really good connection (laughs) with Henderson people, um, like if you can build their rapport 
and build that relationship with students, everything else is going to fall into place because they will accept your failures as just a learning process and accept what you're trying to do as to grow. And they'll kind of look at that and be like, they'll learn from that. If nothing else, you want them to learn how to grow. So it's, it's never something that you're going to be super prepared for getting in front of people. It just takes practice and yeah. So that was well said. And the reason why I am able to have this conversation with all of you um, is because I student taught some of you and taught Peyton privately. Like I have that rapport. I ha- it's been almost two years since I left Henderson from student teaching, but I still have this kind of relationship with the students and with my private students that it's like I can have these conversations and, and um, continue to build on, on this relationship that we already have. So I want to thank you all for, for coming on um, and having this conversation. This entire podcast is directed at you um, to give you information and to give you kind of perspectives on how to build uh, a musical career and moving into that musical career is something really special to, to be a part of. So thank you again for coming on and I hope that you all have a really awesome day. These students have all started to learn about how to be successful in the music field. The biggest thing mentioned throughout today's episode was having a growth mindset and thinking about progress over perfection. It might be a concept that is somewhat simple Uh, to think about, but in reality is very challenging to implement because of the stresses that we often feel in our own uh, inadequacies. These three music students shared a lot of useful perspectives on the challenges young musicians face within the process of starting a musical career, and I want to thank them again for coming on and sharing these perspectives. I want to thank you as the listener again for listening And if there was anything that stood out to you uh, during this episode, or if you have, or if you enjoy hearing these types of perspectives and stories, please share this podcast and consider subscribing on Apple Podcasts and follow on Spotify. If you have any comments, questions, or ideas for future guests on the podcast, feel free to reach out via Instagram at Tyler Mead at Tyler.Mead or email me at tcmusic.tyler at gmail.com. Thank you, everyone, and be on the lookout for next week's episode featuring one of my friends from undergrad, Nolan Weibel, as we kind of discuss building a career through music. Mm